All right. Well, today uh, I want to jump into the text uh, that we have and uh, excited for that. And I want to say something because this is just kind of uh, a thought I had as we were in worship and singing songs and uh, me and my wife were traveling this week. And so on the plane ride, so I was thinking of a plane ride. And uh, have you ever have you ever had a plane leave without you? Has that ever happened before? Anybody here ever had a plane leave without? Did it just, did it just happen? Just happened. This is the Lord, and this is it. No, well, maybe it is. Um, and so, uh, but you know, how did it feel when you see the plane taking off? You're like, ah, come back, you know. And uh, well, I had this thought uh, this morning uh, that sometimes it, it can feel like when you're in a, a service like this or in a gathering of the body of believers. It can feel like sometimes, I know you come in and the plane has gone and, and yet you, you feel, feel like you've caught up to the plane. And so I want us to take a moment here and pray and, and all get on the same plane together, if that makes sense, where we can all just kind of take a breath here, hear from God, and then we're going to respond to God after this. Amen? And, and I think the, the plane ride uh, at the end uh, hopefully will be exciting and victorious and celebratory, and, uh, and, I, and I, this will all make sense, I think, at the end. But would you just pause here for a minute? Let's get on the plane together, if that makes sense, and let's pray. And then let's hear from what the Lord wants to say. All right. So Jesus, if you're online, let, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you gather this body, that you, you called us together to gather. Thank you for putting uh, this into place for us, Father, years and years and years ago, where you could uh, encourage us, Father, and you'd speak to our hearts, and you'd help us to encourage one another. And Jesus, you called us to sing, you called us to teach, you called us to learn, to serve, and so many things. And so, Father, right now, I pray that your will would be accomplished, Jesus. Lord, that your heart would begin to move in our hearts and that our hearts would be transformed to be more like you, Jesus. And so, Father, this church, this body is in your hands. And so, Father, we give you this time and we open up our souls and our minds to you, Jesus. So let your word speak. Breathe life into our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that. All right, so Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to put it on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. And Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start with verse 10. And I'm going to read from the ESV this time around. I'm changing up some translations. But um, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, and I'll read right through 17. And we've been doing this each week. We've been kind of reading through these verses again. So it says, finally, Paul writes uh, to the church in Ephesus, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. He's talking about spiritual warfare. Then he says, therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all that to stand firm, he says, standing therefore... And this is a key verb. He says, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on, notice the having and having and having, this should be highlighted, put on the readiness uh, given by the gospel of peace. And then he says in verse 16, this is what we're going to be today. In all circumstances, take up, different verb is used, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take, there's another verb, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, so far we've looked at the first three pieces of armor, the belt of truth, 
the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace. We talked about that in the past weeks. You can go online and re-listen to that if you like. But the first thing I want you to notice today is that the difference between the first three pieces and the last three pieces, did you notice the difference? Different verbs are being used. In the first three pieces, he used the verb having. Now, if you study this word, you'd understand that he's saying these are things that you should already have on you at all times. These are things that you don't take up. The word, by the way, take up in Greek means to take raise or to raise up. So it's to take up or to raise. That means there are certain pieces of armor that you will have on you at all times. And there are certain pieces of armor that you don't necessarily have, uh, you have on you at all times, but you don't necessarily need at all times. You just, maybe different opportunities in different scenarios and different situations, you need these pieces of armor. So we see the first three you're to wear at all times. These last three are to raise when you're needed. You say, well, help me understand that more, okay? No different than a soldier who wears a uniform in times of battle, right? He wears clothing, wears a uniform at all times, but he only uses certain weapons depending on the situation that he's needed. You think about a baseball player. A baseball player is in a uniform when he's in the game, but he doesn't always have a bat in his hand. He only takes the bat when he needs it. doesn't always have a glove in his hand, only uses the glove when he needs it. So there's certain weapons that Paul writes about that you'll need at certain moments, and then there's certain weapons that you have on you at all times. Okay, so I want you to see the difference there. And again, I titled the message, talking about the shield of faith, take up your shield. Take up your shield. That is to raise your shield. All right, when Paul wrote the letter in prison, uh, possibly he was attached to the soldier. He's attached to him or he can see this Roman soldier. So certainly the Roman soldier is kind of the kind of the illustration he's using, this picture that's in his mind, and he's looking at this Roman shoulder, and, uh, and he's paralleling it to spiritual warfare, and he kind of sees this man's shield. Maybe it's hanging or sitting on the side, or maybe it's in his arms, or wherever it is, and he sees it, and he thinks about faith. And that's what we're going to talk about. He sees faith. So I want to show you a picture of a, of a shield, and this will just make sense for what he might have visually been seeing, or something like this typically two and a half feet wide by four feet long. When a soldier would crouch down, uh, it would cover the whole body. Uh, I thought about the movie Gladiator. If you ever seen the movie Gladiator at all, then uh, you know this famous scene. I think we have a picture of this too, where they all kind of come together and they hide behind the shields and the horses and chariots can't take them out and they're trying to throw arrows at them and they can't get to them because they're all protected by these shields. So when the soldiers were positioned under the shield, they're completely covered regardless of the circumstances around them. So Paul says, when you cover yourself with faith, you're going to be fully protected. I want you to see that. And if you have your notes, uh, I want to encourage you to take notes today, by the way, as you hear some of the things that maybe God speaks to you. So what are they protected from? Well, Paul said, from the evil day, when all hell breaks loose on you, when you think about giving up on your marriage, let's pause. Now, let this sink in. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm sitting here today. I'm learning something to this today so I can apply it to my life or to a friend's life or to somebody that I know. So when all hell breaks loose on your marriage and you think about giving up on your marriage, take up the shield. This is what Paul is saying. When you begin to doubt God, his existence the necessity of gathering with body of believers, Paul would say, take up your shield. Okay? You think about uh, a dream that God put in your heart and you think it's 
no way it's going to happen. Uh, the dream that he put in you years ago is dead. It's gone. Not going to happen. Take up your shield, he says. Take up your faith. Your calling. You have a calling, a burning from God inside of you that you feel like God has called you to accomplish or to do. And you think, no way, no how, not possible. Paul would say, stop talking and take up your shield. Man, this is a really important message today. I want you to grab a hold of this. Take up your shield. There's no money in the bank, right? And worry, fear, stress, whatever, financial stuff starts to come, the pressure, all of that. Take up the shield. You're going to need this shield a lot, aren't you? And I will too. And we could go through lots of scenarios. Take up your shield. The shield of faith will protect you. So what is faith? Let's talk about faith. The good news is the Bible helps us understand what faith is. And one of the most famous verses on faith is found in Hebrews 11. And let me unpack this verse for us a little bit. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended, commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. All right, the word faith is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, which means the conviction of truth of anything. This is what I want you to see, an amplified version. I'm going to read to you the amplified version. We'll put it up as well just to help bring this to more understanding. Now, faith is the assurance. Same verse, just unpacked differently. Title, deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. I think that's really good. It helps us understand it a little bit deeper. What is faith? Okay, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Your five senses. It can't be always experienced in that way, but there's certainty that it's there. You say, okay, help me understand faith more. This means that faith, according to Hebrews 11, this means faith is acting as if something is so, even when it appears not to be so, simply because God said so. Okay? I knew that that would confuse you right there, though, okay? So I just thought we'd give you a simple definition of faith, the most simple definition of faith I've, I've ever read or heard. So a simple definition of faith. You ready? Write this down in your notes. Acting as if God is telling the truth. Okay? How's your faith? So many of you and so many of us as believers have talked about you need more faith. Who has ever heard the statement or comment, I need more faith, you need more faith, just have more faith. Keep the faith. Okay, raise your hand high, because I know you're, some of you are uncertain, so I can see. Okay, have you ever heard faith? Keep the faith, right? Just got to have faith. Just got to have See, when I sing a song, all of a sudden it starts to go back. And what's funny is some of you were singing Limp Biscuit, and some of you singing Michael. What was his name? George Michael? But who was, who was thinking of Limp Biscuit just now? Look at it. I got one. All right. Some of you are like, who's Limp Biscuit? I never listened to those kind of people, but obviously they did. So, I don't know. I'm sorry. 
That's funny, right? Isn't that funny? Gotta have faith. Oh, yeah. I know that Limp Biscuit, Fred Durst. Yeah, that's right. Some of you are so confused. And they're obviously the ones who listen to George Michael. Right. Yeah. Okay. Where am I at? All right, so faith, right? Gotta have faith, okay? Here we go. Now, I want you to think about it. Faith is acting as if God is telling the truth. Now, I'm gonna ask you again, how's your faith? Okay. It, it just makes you do a little thinking here. It's all I'm trying to get you to do. All right, here we go. Key truth. True biblical faith is confident obedience. Ready? It's confident obedience to God's word in spite of consequences and circumstances. Confident obedience to God's word. How's your faith? Okay. So you say, where do I get this? Well, when you read Hebrews 11, you're going to find a whole bunch of people who are, who's called the Hall of Faith, right? These are great men, women of faith. Hebrews, a whole chapter is dedicated to them, and it carries over into Hebrews 12, where Jesus ultimately is the man of faith, but, but certainly in a representation of faith. But I want to pick out one individual, and this will make sense, why I say faith is attached to actions as if God is telling the truth. Here, here's what it says about Noah. In verse 7 of Hebrews, it says, uh, 11, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. So you see, faith is attached to obedience. Who warned him about things that had never happened before. Things not seen, things not experienced. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Righteousness that comes by faith. Okay. Meaning God spoke to Noah and Noah obeyed. Here's simple. That is faith. How's your faith? Where's your faith level? How much faith do you have? And, and I know a lot of times we think about faith associated with feelings, which is not, we'll get that into a minute. But I want you to understand, there is a degree of faith that you have and I have. So, so how do I determine how much faith you have? How much do you trust God? Do you trust every single thing that he said in Scripture? And are you acting as if God is telling the truth? That will reveal to you how much faith you have. We think faith is just a belief thing. That's wrong. That's not scriptural. Or it's an emotion I muster up. No. It really comes down to your response to God's word. So how much faith do you have? How do you determine that? Well, how are you responding to God's word? Do you actually trust what he says? This is faith. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of consequences and circumstances. I don't know about you, but building the boat when there's no rain around can make you look weird in, in society. You ever seen the newer, the one, the Evan Almighty one? You ever seen that one? Anybody ever seen that movie? I mean, how many of you have seen the movie? Okay, see, why do I have to ask three times before you go, well, now, <laughs> don't complain about you having, if your kids don't listen to you three times a day, none of you complain today. I have to ask you three times every time. 
Okay. All right. So, but if you see an Evan Almighty and you kind of put it in the real world perspective, our modern day perspective. It, and of course, we know within the movie, is it weird and everybody's making fun of him. This guy's losing his mind. Well, just, just, just imagine the same thing where you're told to build a boat in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, and, and there's nothing around you. I mean, just think about that. So demonstrating faith, write this down on the side somewhere, demonstrating faith requires both knowing truth and responding to the truth. Both knowing truth and responding to truth. Demonstrating faith requires both knowing truth and responding to the truth. By the way, did you notice the first piece of armor that Paul said you need to wear at all times? What did he say? Why is one person... What is the first piece of armor that the Lord said to wear? What, what did Paul say? Belt of truth. Okay. So, it's all hinges on truth. So, if you don't know truth, God's word, what Jesus would say, the man Jesus, if you don't know Jesus himself, who is truth, because remember, truth is more about a person than it is just about, just about the Bible, although the Bible is truth. They're one and the same, right? The word became flesh, John 1. The point is, he's saying, how can you have faith if you don't know truth? So truth is attached to faith. Because in order to have faith, I have to know what the truth is. And then I demonstrate faith by the way I respond to the truth. Well, Noah's told, build a boat. I'll do it. Even though I don't see how, why fully, how this is going to work out, when it's going to work out, who's going to help me. You say it, I'll do it. Faith. All right. Key truth, biblical faith is tied to truth, not feelings. There are a lot of people who look like they uh, are faithful. Right? They, there's ways to look like there's faithfulness. But biblical faith is tied to truth, not feelings. As believers, faith matters like the foundation for a home. That is, they have to trust what God says, that he will perform what he promises. Faith is not tied to if we feel like it. It's attached to his word, and that word is like an anchor for our souls. I was just thinking about Hebrews 6.12, like an anchor for the soul. Regardless of what we feel, faith is only as valuable as the thing to which it's tied. I want you to hear that. That faith is only as valuable to the thing to which it's tied. Why do I say like an anchor? Just imagine if I could somehow have an anchor and I attach my body to this anchor and I'm attached to it and I trust in it that I'm not going anywhere. You know, that I'm, I'm anchored into this. It's going to hold me. And so no matter what the circumstances are, if the waves are crashing around me, this anchor has me held down. It doesn't matter. All the what people say about me, think about me, how I feel in the moment. Even if it feels chaotic, and I look around and it is chaotic, I have faith in God's word, so it's like this anchor for my soul. Now remember, we've been talking about, there's three components, right? What are they? The spirit. The soul and the body. And so as believers, Paul is saying we've got a new spirit. And the soul 
is being sanctified. Remember this? All right, so the soul is being sanctified. So the soul is trying to catch up to the spirit, if you would. So the spirit of God lives inside of us. That's what scripture says, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of the believer. When they profess Christ as Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and creates a new spirit inside. And that spirit is full of faith because it's the same spirit that lived in Christ. Now that's a really filled spirit, by the way. You ever heard somebody say, fill me with your spirit? What you really should say is fill my soul with your spirit because I've already got the spirit that's filled inside of me. So really what I've got to do is transfer. I've got to get this spirit that's in me, Christ's spirit that lives in me, and I've got it to get it to fill my soul because my soul doesn't feel so faithful right now, but my spirit is. So I've got to tap into the gas tank, fill the soul, and then when the soul gets filled with spirit, it comes out and manifests itself in the body. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So, got to take up your shield of faith. Most of us don't wake up full of faith. Most of us wake up with all the things we have to do the day, all the things that are going to happen, all the worries of the world, all those factors that come into the world. That's why one of the first things I do when I wake up is turn on praise music. Do you know why? I've got to get the spirit to feed the soul. So that when I get up in the morning, my soul begins filled with faith. Does that make sense? Okay. I think we have, this was my nudging this morning. We have a lot of spirit-filled people in the room whose souls are empty. And I don't want you to leave that way. When you leave here, I want the Spirit of Christ to fill your soul that it oozes out and overflows into your body. And instead of worshiping like this, you worship like this. It manifests itself out. Now just imagine being so filled with joy. Christ's Spirit has joy. Everybody say amen. amen. It's not a sorrowful, sad spirit. Yes? Okay, so that spirit of joy is in Christ, and that spirit is in you. Okay, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay, so this joy is inside of you, but the soul says, I don't feel it right now. And then the body goes, me neither. I took a back left and I just looked around the room and a lot of us were sitting in worship like this. The body is manifesting what's in the soul. The problem is not the soul. The problem is the soul isn't tapping into the spirit. Scripture says whenever you worship the Lord, there are knees falling to the ground. There are hands lifted. There is singing and rejoicing and dancing. What's the problem? The spirit can't tap into the soul. And I'm going somewhere with this because the soul is going in its own direction. And this is where Paul says you have a faith problem. 
There's a trust problem in God's word. How do I say that? Watch this. Because scripture teaches truth. That's truth. This is scripture. Truth. When you praise me, there's joy in the Father's heart. So when I praise, I bring joy to the Spirit. Which also means when I don't praise, I grieve the Spirit. I, I'm going to get back to this for a second. I can't lose track. Sorry, Jesus. I want to go a whole different direction, but I'm going to stick to my notes. All right. I'm going somewhere with this. It's coming. If you are struggling in your faith, check to see what it's tied to. Your faith will struggle if it's tied to your latest experience. Your faith will remain when it's tied to God's word. Do not attach your faith to your latest experience. That's why you cannot have a good Easter service experience and think it's going to be like that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's why every day you have to wake up and attach yourself to truth. Because the spirit has to feed the soul. Three realities of faith. Faith is acting on truth whether I feel it or not. Faith is acting on truth whether I feel it or not. How many of you ever walked into church and you just didn't feel it? Raise your hand. I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. Or you've heard people say, you know, this experiential thing, right? This sensationalism, this experience, this, I gotta feel it. Listen to me. If you wait till you feel like clapping to clap, you ain't never gonna clap. If you wait till you feel like raising your hand, you won't raise your hands. If you wait till you feel like kneeling down, no, I'll just wait till I feel it. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. This is not a relationship based on feelings. Okay? This is way beyond that. So, so faith is acting on truth. It's, it's acting on truth. And the word of God says in Ephesians, says that the praises of his people, it says to come together singing songs and spiritual songs. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It tells you to sing. So I don't sing because I feel like it. I sing because I'm told to because I have faith. I sing even when I don't feel like it. Why? Because he said so. I love the fact that I'm a parent now so I can preach to parents and have a little bit of validity to what I'm about to say. How many parents are in the room or grandparents? Aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, or sisters? Okay. Everybody's up. All right. Have you ever had a child tell you, I don't feel like it? Woo! The whole other face comes out. I don't feel like it. Can you imagine having your teenager, adolescent, young child, two-year-old, I don't feel like it? You know, all these, internally in you, you would say, okay, go with me on this then. Scripture says to sing 
and proclaim the praises of the Father. It even says we're going to be doing this for eternity in Revelation 4. In other words, the Father says, you need to sing and get used to it because you'll be doing it forever. Now, somebody here right now, tell Jesus I don't feel like it. Just curious where you are. Anybody? Because there's a lot of Sunday mornings you do. How you like me? You got me? Okay. How's your faith? All right. Faith is acting on truth whether I like it or not. <laughs> That'll preach. Whether I like it or not. You think, you think Paul wanted to go to prison? You think Noah really wanted to build a boat? Like, yeah, that sounds great. No power tools. Some of you are like, oh, I didn't even think of that. He had to chop down every tree to get every piece of wood. <sighs> what? Well, that feels comfortable. Faith is acting on truth whether I feel it or not, whether I like it or not, or whether I agree with the truth or not. You don't even have to agree with it. Faith is, according to Scripture, acting on truth. You don't define truth, God does. So faith is acting on truth whether you agree with it or not. God doesn't look for you to agree with truth to make it truth. Now I have your agreement, now it's truth. No, it's truth because I said so. How's your faith? Well, I don't really know if that's what the scripture says. I mean, that's debatable. You know, I, I don't know about that one. Well, that's kind of a great one. I, I don't really know if that's what I should be doing. because I, it, And you begin to internalize debate with God's truth. Really what you're doing is trying to run from the truth because you don't want to have to do what the truth tells you to do. Because you don't like it and you don't agree with it. Imagine your child saying to you, well, mom, I'm not going to do the dishes because I don't agree. I should have to. I don't agree with you. And then all the parents play the trump card and they say, you will do it, right? And then we start threatening or whatever. Okay. You never thought about this with faith, did you? I thought faith was like just, faith is so tied to truth. I need you to see that. There's a story in Luke 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him and listened to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, this is Peter, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat, taught the crowds from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And this is what he says back. Simon replies, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full, the fish, they began to tear the nets. What I love about Peter is that he didn't let his knowledge of fishing get in his way of faith. He didn't allow his past experience to determine his level of faith. He just did what Jesus said to do. And because of his faith, he received the blessing. Every person mentioned in Hebrews 11 here in Luke People have faith are people who responded to the truth first. 
These are people who live out their faith. And here's what Paul says about people who live out their faith. For we live by faith and not by, say it, sight. 2 Corinthians 5. We live by faith and not by sight. Some of you have heard the translation walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. To live means to walk. In high school, I don't know about you, but I walked with a lean. Anybody in here walk with a lean in high school? Anybody? Still walk with a lean today every once in a while. Just kind of throw it back. If you don't know what the lean, you know what I'm talking about? You ever watch people walk with a lean? And a limp, even though there's nothing wrong? Is it just me that walked this way? Anybody else used to walk with a lean like that? Huh? Yeah. Thank you, bro. Just, it's a swag, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 then you, and then whenever I, I was, you know, if I was dating a, a girlfriend in high school, you know, and you knew the, the parents weren't happy when you walk in, what's up, Dad? How you doing? <laughs> you know? See, if I walk that way, immediately all of you have certain thoughts about me. Judgmental. No, but you, <laughs> but you do. Just, the point is, you could tell a lot by the way a person walks. You don't believe me? Watch this. How about this one? You do it all the time. Come on. <laughs> you ever see people walking with like intentionally their chest is out like, dude, you know, anybody? You judge people all the time by the way they walk, don't you? You tell a lot by the way you walk. What is Paul saying? You should walk with so much faith, people should see a difference in you. Now, what's faith? It's attached to obedience, right? It's attached to the truth. Faith shows up more in your feet than it does your feelings. You want to see somebody's faith, just see how much they walk according to God's word. Your view of God, by the way, will determine how you walk when all, when all hell breaks loose on you. That's why Paul says when the day of evil comes, in all circumstances, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up your shield. A Roman soldier would put their shield in some form of liquid to remove the fiery arrows, extinguish them. So Paul says in the same way, when Satan and his demons begin to launch arrows your way, pick up your faith, which has the power to put out the flaming arrows. Action step. If you want more faith, then grow your knowledge of truth. I'll invite the band up for just a minute. If you want more faith, then grow in your knowledge of truth. Man, I love this for you today because this is a simple action item. I don't have to get up here and preach to you about we need to have more faith and then leave you not knowing where to go. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you and I am teaching you for the remainder of your cry, uh, following Jesus as a believer in Christ, if I want more faith, more knowledge of truth. Now, why do I say knowledge of truth? That's because the more truth I understand, the more opportunity I have for my faith to increase. Because faith is attached to truth. Okay. I'll apply that for you. So you say, okay, help me unpack that a little more. Then we're going to sing a song. Then we'll go home. When you hear, ready? Ready? Now, I want you to raise your hand just so I'm 
just so I can see that this is resonating. If you've ever heard inside of someone else has said it to you, maybe internally you say it to yourself, you've heard it before, you won't make it. Raise your hand. You won't make it. Keep your hand up. You won't make it. You, you heard a spouse, a coach, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, internal thought, whatever it is. Keep your hand up. You won't make it. Your marriage won't make it. The thing that God put inside of you to accomplish, you won't make it. Keep your hand up. You won't make it. You won't make it. This is the lie the enemy tells you all the time. You won't make it. Okay? Take up your shield. Now make a shield. I don't know. I, I know it's weird, but just follow me. If you're online, we're weird, but you knew it at home. Take up a shield, right? Paul says, take up your shield of faith. Now watch this. You say, well, well, hold on. I got merits. It has the truth. I've got to know the truth. Here's the truth. My God will get me through whatever he calls me to. So when Paul says, when you hear you won't make it, take up the shield of faith that's attached to truth, put it into action, and say, my God will get me through whatever he calls me through. And all of a sudden, faith rises. And then it gets manifested by jumping. You see what just happened to me? That, that's not part of the message. That's just what happened because I could feel faith rising. Raise your hand if you don't think you're going to make it. If you hear, you're not going to make it. I'm sorry. I've heard it. I'm not going to make it. Raise your hand again. Put your shield. Whatever God calls me to, he'll get me through. What just happened? The spirit just fed the soul. And the soul just got lifted. All right. When you hear, you don't have enough to give. Don't give. When you put enough money away, then you can start to give. When you check all your retirement boxes, then you can start to give. If you've ever been tested in the area of your finances and giving to God in the local church, raise your hand. If you've ever been tested in that way. I'm raising two because it's happened to me many, 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 many times. Take up your shield. Matthew 6, Truth. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and everything else will be given to me. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and everything else will be given to me. My God will supply all of my needs when I seek him first. My God will supply all of my needs when I seek him first. You see my faith rising? Okay, last one. When you hear, no one cares about you. They don't care about you. Raise your hand if you ever stepped into a church or you were in a church, involved in a church, and you felt like, and you wondered if anybody ever cared about you. They don't care about you. They don't need you there. 
They just want your money. They don't really care about you. You're a teenager. You're young. You're not a believer. They don't want you there. They don't need you there. They don't care about you. Liar! See? We, our souls get attached. We got to tap into the spirit to feed the soul. And then it gets manifested out in the body. So, what do you say? Truth. You just why you got to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you can't be set free because the truth sets you free. Right? It's the truth. So, what's the truth? Ready? When, when I think no one cares about me, even in your own family, no one sees me. No one sees me. No one sees the hard work I do. No one appreciates me. At this job, at this company, no one cares about me. No one sees me. No one sees you. No one cares about you. You're not needed. No one likes you. Liar! Now, if that's you, raise your hand. Take up your shield. You ready for this? Go on, put your shield out. You ready? Come on, I know, I know, let's all just, I know none of you have ever felt alone, but if you've ever felt alone before, just take a shield out. Help us who feel that way sometimes. Okay. What the scripture says? I am a child of a king. Say it. I am a child of a king. I don't seek man's approval. What scripture says? I seek God's approval. And God says I'm good enough. God says I'm strong enough. God says I'm able. Jesus Christ paid the price for me. You follow this? How are you doing in your battles? Man, in those days, in those struggles, and in those moments, Paul says, take up the shield of faith. How do I do that? I've just taught you how. I go to Scripture. I take the truth. I take my shield. And I replace the lie with truth. And then when I do, my soul gets excited. And the enemy begins to lose his grip. Stand to your feet. I want to encourage you today, trust God's word. Take up your shield. Trust what God says on a matter, regardless of what you see or regardless of what you feel. I don't care about your feelings right now. I love you. It's not about your feelings. The feelings come from the faith. I want your faith tank to be so filled up that it overflows into feeling. The feeling will come, but what goes first is faith. And I'm telling you, right now, we're going to sing in a second, and I'm telling you, oh, I don't want to sing. But the Word of God says, sing. Declare the praises of God. And then watch what happens to your soul. The soul will start to rise. And then it gets a little louder and all of a sudden a little bit victorious. And before you know it, this is great. Amen? Amen. All right. Therefore, and I'm going to walk off with this verse. Because this is how I want you to end this moment with me. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. 
Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. In other words, Jesus accomplished it. He finished it, even in the midst of it all. Why? Because he knew what his father had spoken. And he trusted his father's words, regardless of what he felt. And so it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, today, we are so thankful. And Lord, thank you for paving the way and showing what it is to live in faith. And so today, we lift our hands and we choose faith. Lift your hands. So say, Jesus, I choose faith today. I don't, may not feel it, but I trust your word. I trust your word. I trust your word. I trust your word. You said that I'm a child of you, and so I trust it. You said to give and seek you first, and I will. And I trust your word, Jesus, first. Lift your hands, church. Take up your shield. Lord, we come. And we fight declaring your praises. And we sing. And we love to sing. In Jesus' name, amen.